Welcome to GT Radio on the Geek Therapy Network. Geek Therapy was founded on the theory that the best way to understand each other and ourselves is through the content that we love. With this episode, we're kicking off season five of the show, and we're going to be talking about that theory today. Uh, my name is Josue Cardona, and with me are Lauren Keller. Hello. And Brandon Saxton. Hey. So this week, Geek Therapy turned eight, eight years old. Woo. And you know, over the years, I got tired of repeating the same things over over and over again. And I think that's why uh, we've tried so many different things and changed format and, and just it's exciting to, to try different things and, and have different shows. But uh, I've, I've come to appreciate uh, how necessary it is to repeat the same things over and over again, because <laughs> otherwise <laughs> people, people start forgetting what you're doing there in the first place, including, including ourselves. <laughs> so yeah. that's why as we, as we kick off season five, I wanted to again, revisit that idea. Um, again, the, the whole reason why we started a geek therapy uh, website and, and this podcast in particular was to, to explore that idea, right? The theory was the best way that we can understand each other and ourselves is through the content that we love, the content that we have an affinity for, right? And, and that means it's not just you like it. You, you don't really have any control over that, right? It's like you, you like it. You can't even explain why at first. If you, if you reflect on it, then maybe you can. But it's just like something that you're drawn to. And, and those things can, you know, they tend to become our favorite things and, and things that we geek out about. That's where the, the geek and geek therapy really, really comes from. And so I want to talk about that today. I want to explore that idea. I want to see uh, how that resonates with, with both of you. I want to hear from listeners how that resonates with them. And, and, and I'll tell you like where that idea came from and all of that. So did, did, did both of you think about it, bring any examples of kind of what, what that idea means to you? I, I didn't bring any um, specific examples, but I did make a list of supporting reasons why media content helps people connect and understand each other better. You're just an unstoppable list making machine. I, love, them. I love lists. Woo! <laughs> what about you, Brandon? I didn't bring a list and I feel really unprepared now, just list wise. Um, <laughs> but I did take some time to just kind of reflect about the kind of, I guess, my journey into content creation and into this realm, which started with Jedi Council years Beautiful. ago now at this point. Yeah. Um, and kind of the, the journey of that podcast or, or what started as a blog turned into a podcast um, and how it kind of joined up with this community. Yeah, well, I, I want to hear. I want to hear that story. I want to hear like why did you even start that blog, and what was the what was the premise behind it? I kind of know, but I want I want to hear <laughs> your version of it. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, folks who maybe don't know, Jedi Council started specifically as just a blog, well before it was a podcast, wherein Katie, the other co-host slash co-blogger, and I would break down fictional characters into kind of like pseudo psychological evaluations where we would kind of describe their relevant psychosocial history and maybe some psychopathology that they're experiencing and maybe some treatment recommendations. And and they were meant to be very fun and lighthearted and consumable while also providing information that was accurate and scientifically kind of oriented about mental health and maybe about um, psychological interventions. And I remember the the very first one that we wrote was specifically about 
Darth Vader slash Anakin Skywalker. And that had really kind of just was born out of a conversation that Katie and I were having just about how interesting the character was. And then just we thought that was kind of a fun conversation and thought maybe someone else would think it was kind of fun or interesting. And as it turned out, people did. Um, so really it was the, the spirit of it was to provide accurate information about mental health in a way that was consumable and in a way that was fun and interesting and maybe was about characters that people were interested in. So we covered a whole wide range of characters on those blog posts, um, Darth Vader, characters from The Office, comic book characters. Um, I think a few of the most popular ones, I think the most popular one by far and away is about Michael Scott from The Office, actually. It seems to get posted on The Office Reddit, like, I don't know, every couple of months and then just blows up again, um, which is kind of fun. Just to be clear, Michael Scott is not a Star Wars character. Right? No, he's not. Um, not. Not yet, but the crossover might, I mean, it could be in the works. Um, speaking of The Office, total aside, I did see that they are pulling it off of Netflix um, in the coming yes. days. So if you need to get your fill of The Office, now's the time. You have till 2021. By the yeah, way. you've got time, but <laughs> but it's, get going. <laughs> so after a while, um, because the the blog posts were seemed to be catching on, people were interested in them and reading about them and tweeting about them, we decided that it might be fun to podcast. Katie and I are both big fans of podcasting and thought that could be another vehicle through which we could achieve the same kind of goal or the same kind of mission to talk about mental health through fictional characters, but maybe in a way that was less constrained than the format, this very specific format that our blog posts had. Yeah. Podcasts are great because you can really dive deep, right? And have a, a nuanced conversation and say things that you necessarily wouldn't put in a blog post or didn't occur to you as you were writing, right? Absolutely. And, and it's long form and you can explore ideas. And I love, like, that's when I first was aware of you guys from from the podcast. And and I, I love this idea, right? The, the reason I, I became aware of you is because you're exploring exactly that the idea that we talked about at the beginning that you can take i mean and in a general sense like a way to understand each other is definitely psychology that's what it is mm-hmm. right it's it's understanding human behavior it's understanding why we do what we do uh, it's it's a way to understand each other and then to be able to make that accessible in a way by talking to people about things that they are already familiar with it's a great way to introduce those concepts and those ideas so that's why I was I was 100% on board. I'm like, yeah, look, more people doing this type of work, that is that is fantastic. More people doing it about Star Wars, even better. <laughs> no that, comment. And that was the trick. That's how we got <laughs> you invested. Um, <laughs> I don't even frankly, I don't remember even how we came up with the name Jedi Council. I know Katie thought of it. I'm just awful at naming things. Yeah. Um, as you know, you've, I've come up with names for other things and they're not great. Um, so that's how the podcast got started. And, and like you said, it had the same mission and it was really about, about connecting people and, and giving a common language for people to talk about mental health through, with. It was pretty early on. And, and honestly, Osue, at this point, I don't even remember if you had messaged us first or vice versa, because I know we had been in contact before we approached you about joining the network. Do you have any more specific memories about like how, how we first got to talking with one another? I really don't anymore. So because of Geek Therapy, I, I tend to 
scour the internet for similar ideas? Because very early on, um, Geek Therapy was primarily focused on promoting the ideas of other people. Like mm-hmm. I, it wasn't, it wasn't like I didn't, I didn't plan on, on starting a podcast or, or even blogging. The original version of, of the Geek Therapy website was a, a, a curated news site. So I was just pulling news from other places and, and posting it. Eventually, I wanted to talk to the people who were who were doing those things. So uh, that's just been like I have Google alerts up. I'm constantly monitoring <laughs> and 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 uh, looking for for like minded people online. And at some point, it just popped up on Twitter, and somebody that I follow must have retweeted it, or, or I found it. I don't, I don't know exactly. I do remember the first time I contacted you. I'm almost certain that it was uh, about the audio quality of the podcast. I, I think you're right. That was my <laughs> memory, too. <laughs> That's my first message to a lot of people. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, you know you know why? Because a lot of that, that's based on, on my own um, uh, listening behavior. But I believe that a lot of people will listen to something, and it doesn't matter how... Uh, they're there because they they were interested in the idea, but then if in the execution, like it's inaudible or it doesn't it doesn't sound good, people are going to miss out on that. So mm-hmm. my 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 reason for always sending that email out is I think that what you're onto is amazing, and I want more people to hear it, and I want to listen to it. I want to be a consumer of that content. Do you guys want some help? <laughs> you gotta up your audio, man. <laughs> Just a little bit better. <laughs> Let me upgrade you, please, please. What do we need to do? And a little bit better is very generous because, as I've shared, I think on this show even before, the way that the Jedi Council podcast started was with a laptop like microphone and the like sound recorder being turned into. Windows Movie Maker into a video <laughs> and put onto YouTube. So there was room <laughs> yeah. for improvement for sure. Um, yeah, yeah. Let a show start that way. Yeah, I, I like we we knew that we liked podcasts. We did not know how to make one. We were just excited to put content on the internet. Um, the Joe Rogan experience started exactly like that. The first okay. few episodes, were I didn't just know the that. laptop mic. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I mean, it, there's a process for all shows for sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So yeah, that that was kind of how how the the blog turned into the podcast, and what it turned into for me in the beginning, what it was is like I mentioned to talk about mental health, but what it turned into for me was a community, um, not only the geek therapy community, uh, but even just the community of people that I got to know through creating that content was really so special. And has really been the driving force for me to continue it and to really appreciate a lot of really meaningful um, friendships that I've made with people who I've never met in real life just because they were kind enough to turn on and listen to me talk about Batman vs. Superman and why I think it's actually pretty good. So, (laughs) Damn right it is. And the very minority there. So, so you, you've said that people, it resonated with people, you know, mm-hmm. you feel like you've been able to build community through the show and, and geek therapy has as well. And I think that the reason is because you said the word language earlier, right? And mm-hmm. the whole way that this started for me was when I was a teenager, I was really obsessed with the show Family Guy. And I remember thinking about it all the time and quoting it all the time. And it wasn't until a while later that I, I I think I understood why I was quoting it all the time. It's because sometimes I didn't have the words to describe how I was feeling or to describe a particular situation. 
and it was easier to make the reference. So it's like, oh, like, I feel like Peter did in this episode, or like, oh, that's like what happened to Meg in this other episode. That became like part of my language. And so once I started working in mental health and I started working with clients, particularly children, but the same ended up being true for adults, that I saw other people doing exactly the same thing. And kids especially, right, uh, who they were always talking about video games. They were always talking about superheroes and the cartoons that they were watching. So at times, instead of talking about what their foster experience was like or abuse at home or being bullied at school or all of these other issues that were really difficult to talk about, they would, they would discuss them in the frame of video game characters or superheroes or an experience that they had playing a game. And I thought that that was so important and to me, I see that as a type of language, right? So, so by opening the door and making the space, allowing in that space for people to talk in that language was so, so important and, and was essential to the work that I was doing. And I found that uh, in, in the first internship that I ever had, there were multiple clinicians and we were doing group work. So there was a lot of, like, I would see other people working at the same time. We were working with the same kids, large group of kids. And I would see a kid say something like, I don't want to do that right now. I feel like the Hulk. And people would tell them to stop talking about comic books or stop talking about video games or use adult words and things like that. You can imagine that's like, that's such a missed opportunity because the kid's already telling you something. And the more I explored that idea, the more I spoke to other people. And, you know, I'm, I'm constantly learning. So even even some of the conversations that, that you've had on, on Jedi Council, they all inform the way that I not only have continued to d- develop that, that, that idea, that, right, that the best way to understand each other is through the stuff that we already know and love. It's not only, uh, like, I've, I learned a whole, a whole bunch from you guys, and I've also continued to, to test that theory and learn from other people. And I don't know, it beyond mental health is where uh, it gets, I think it's get, it gets really exciting. Like uh, there was someone in the Geek Therapy Facebook group this week uh, was asking a question about working with uh, an 11-year-old who showed an interest in wanting to play tabletop and card games with his parents. And the parents had reported that they like did not have that they they wanted to improve their communication and their and their relationship with their son so obviously that's like a huge opportunity and then we've built a community that combines different types of people so it was really funny to see some of the responses like the some of the therapists were like oh you got to play the 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 doing feeling game. I forget what that one's called all the time. Or someone mentioned CBT one, two, three. I don't even know what that game is. Do you know what that game is, Brandon? I've heard of it, but I do not have it. I know one of my friends has talked about it. Though. Yeah. <laughs> and then some of the other people who know more about games just uh, talked about co-op games. And the great thing about the community is that you had people who were gamers and who had experiences with 11 year olds, right. Or with families who had no mental health training helping this person who, who was a mental health professional with ideas and recommendations for games. And you can only do that when you build a community that has, that shares in that, again, that's a very, I think it's a general idea, right? That, the, that you can understand each other and, and yourselves through, through the content that you love. But by bringing people, by having it open, right? And being able to bring people in who, who share that idea, 
like so many people can benefit from it and learn from each other. And it's something that's been, I, th- I think that's the, the most exciting thing about that idea is to see it not only, like it not only played out for me in, in a mental health setting. Later on, when I worked in, educa- in education, I saw it again and I was able to use it and capitalize on it again. And I was able to teach people in mental health, in education, how to do that. And I think the same applies in work environments and in in relationships. And I don't know, it's like it continues to work, right? It doesn't matter um, in in what form we we present that in. I don't know. It it feels good to revisit this idea again and in those words. Because as I was going back through the different seasons of the show, I heard how I talked about it in different ways. And in this terminology in particular, like this way of talking about it, that understanding each other and, and and ourselves is the one that I feel explains it the most clearly. I don't I don't know if you all agree. Maybe I, I can't think of any other words that I've used to describe it uh, better than that. But I but I really like it, so I'm, I'm sticking to it. <laughs> <laughs> and and I'm curious, Lauren. Then you can explain kind of why <laughs> that definitely works. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I'm first. I'm going to. Oh God. Sorry for flipping pages. So many notes. Love notes. Love notes. Okay, so um, I-, I am coming from the perspective of being a student of media psychology. So I'm looking at it through that specific lens, which uh, to further clarify that, media psychology is the study of the relationships between media and human behavior, how people interact with media and each other due to media influence. So that is sort of multidirectional. It's both um, how people influence media and how media influences people. Um, And that can be in um, your beliefs and attitudes, or that can be in actual behaviors. And there's lots of different different levels there. But what I think, what why I'm so interested in media psychology is the exact thing that we're talking about, is that using media allows us to connect to one another more easily. And I've got a list of six reasons as to how that process happens, but we've already touched on a couple of them. One of them being cultural reference points for ease of communication. That's what we were talking about earlier, about having a shared language through which to connect. That's also not just like literal language as in words, but reference points. So it's like, you know, people referencing uh, the Avengers now has a different cultural meaning than, you know, 30 years ago. Even, I don't even know if the Avengers are that old, but um, if they are, (laughs) it's a different relationship back then than it is now. With the 20 huge blockbuster movies every summer or whatever, mm-hmm. um, having those those cultural reference points makes it easier for us to connect culturally. Um, I also have, which we kind of touched on, is um, reflecting on the value systems of both yourself and other people looking at the media that you really enjoy or that's really like emotionally impactful for you that sort of helps you reflect on what in your life you consider valuable where you're placing your your values in your life and and connecting with other people that allows you to sort of um, compare and reflect over you know the things that you both value or different things that you value and how interesting that can be that you know people can be almost identical but they have totally different value systems and stuff like that there's also, um, I, I think a big part of why media <laughs> helps us connect to each other is there is um, 
there's a vulnerability in being passionate about something, in caring about something so much that you consider it an important part of your life or maybe even part of your identity. I mean, I, I know for Brandon and I, we both have like nerdy tattoos. So the the, the, geek, the geekery is literally uh, <laughs> stabbed into our skin. <laughs> and, forever. Forever. Physically. Yeah. Physically. And so there there is um a vulnerability in in basically showing that passion to somebody else and having somebody respond positively to that is is really special because then they're being vulnerable back to you and there is like a real deep connection that comes from having a shared vulnerable moment like that. Yeah, in in therapy that's usually around what we call rapport building, right? It's like, but also creating that that space where it's like, it's okay to talk about that thing that you love. And like yeah. in, an, in an educational setting, it's like having a teacher say, write a project about your favorite movie or your favorite game. And that invitation is something that doesn't happen every day, you know? Mm-hmm. And we don't... Most people aren't like your boss isn't asking that you uh, yeah. isn't asking you that all the time. Your parents probably didn't do that that often. I mean, if you did, then you probably benefit from a, from a positive gains to that relationship because of that. But yeah, most people don't, right? And so I'm I'm glad you brought that up, right? It's like there is something the word vulnerability, right? It makes it it's so interesting to 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 use that word because it is like you're unlocking something and it is like you're letting people see who you really are. It's like um, in in video games when you have like a boss fight and the, the boss has like, you know, the the shiny eyeball on their tummy and then that's where you're supposed to, to get the critical hits. When you talk to other people and you're all like, okay, I hope that you don't respond poorly to this, but like, uh, you know, Batman is the greatest thing that I've ever been a part of and I love Batman so much that I have a big Batman tattoo on my chest. <laughs> That's you literally being like, here's my sparkly critical hit point. Please don't critically hit me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then having them respond positively to that is so rewarding. And that, that is the the first thought that comes to mind when we say vulnerability. But but there's also the, this other positive aspect to it. I can't believe this. I'm going to make an Avatar reference, which I didn't think I was going to do. <laughs> in Avatar, there is that there's that one point where they can connect with other people. It's mm-hmm. like it's a literal part of their body that connected through their hair. Remember? Mm-hmm. It's like that is their most vulnerable part, but it's also the one place where they can they can have this incredible connection with other people that other species can't even process. Like it's not even possible, right? But we we all I think that those things that we that we love are definitely that point of also like maximum connection. And that's why yeah. like, again, first first thought vulnerability is like you said, like like a like a critical point, like a weakness, but it's also the point of maximum potential yeah it's it is i guess i'm i'm using the word vulnerability uh less connected to like weakness and more connected to like sensitivity i guess Mm -hmm. is how i'm sort of thinking about this where it's i think that works yeah yeah like the most it's it's not it's not that Hmm. um caring about things means that you are you know, opening yourself up to weaknesses. It's that you, hmm, how do I, how, how do I want to metaphor connect to this? If you live somewhere that's really, really cold and you have to wear like a thousand layers and hats and gloves and stuff, it's like hard to read other people's body language. 
right? And so you have to remove some of those layers so that you can get close enough to people to actually connect and understand them and and read the the you know the tiny details that are individually important but maybe harder to to see in a broader example. Yeah, so so vulnerable but not maybe the critical hit boss point wasn't my best, <laughs> but I think I think the idea is there is just like there's something very very powerful about allowing yourself to be genuine in a way that um, can open you up to getting hurt. Hopefully it doesn't, but just sort of putting yourself in that space where you're like, I'm, I'm showing you this thing that's really important to me. Please don't make fun of it. <laughs> yeah, I think we got it. I think I think we, we touched on it from, from a few different perspectives. And I think it's 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 probably like the the core part of all of this, which is I don't disagree with vulnerability. It, it makes it makes the concept way more interesting when you use that word. But I, but I I like what you said. It's sensitive, right? Because you can be sensitive can be that means that again, like the point where the most things are possible, right? Where where mm-hmm. anything anything negative can have a more negative effect, and anything positive can have a more positive effect. Yeah. Hmm. Actually, to further that example, this is one of those things that I do not like it when people diagnose fictional characters. That is not something that I particularly like, in part because of this, right? It's like, it's it's how you frame it, right? So like, if you, if you, I don't remember your uh, Darth Vader article, for example, Brandon, mm-hmm. But if you say, uh, like, oh, like, when Anakin added, uh, acted this way, like, he's showing symptoms of this thing that we call this, this, this. It's, diff- it's different than giving him, like, a blanket disorder, right? <laughs> it's like, oh, this guy is clearly blah, 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 blah disorder, right? Well, yeah, like, yeah oh, talking about, right? about symptoms and how those symptoms are typically connected to diagnoses versus actually diagnosing a fictional character. Well, like one you can frame as a learning experience. Yeah. It's like, oh, this looks like this and this doesn't actually look this way, right? Like those are different ways to do it. There's a there's a blog on the network. It's called Heroes ACE. And Josh uses this model where the, the title of the blog post is, what if Darth Vader had a counselor, right? It's like, imagine if this person would have had support and would have had uh, aid throughout key uh, moments in his life how might his life been different that's a that's a different way of reframing the oh this person's sick right mm-hmm. and and so at geek therapy we we tend to have that go with an educational perspective and a very um a more positive perspective than the let me tell you how all your favorite characters are are represented. Uh, like all, they're they're all they all have mental disorders. Let me tell you, <laughs> let me tell you them. And again, like taking someone's favorite character and putting it in that lens, like again, that vulnerable idea, right? That idea that this is this is potentially a very sensitive topic, and it could go one way or the other. Yeah, it could. I could really learn something, or you could really piss me off because of the way you're representing <laughs> mm-hmm. this character and and those are things that we're again we're taking sacred things <laughs> and taking a gamble that we can do again on, on the geek therapy side that we're doing something positive there 
I think I think that's a a good connection to you, my my next item on the how media content helps people connect and understand each other list is um, that talking about media that's meaningful to us helps clarify the relationships between our thoughts and attitudes and beliefs and our behaviors. And that helps us clarify the relationship both internally, our, our own thoughts and beliefs and actions, and then also other people. And sort of understanding how you know, environment context can impact the way people make choices or, um, you know, mental health disorders can impact the way, uh, you know, people's thought thought processes go and all that stuff. And having media to sort of show these things allows us um, ways to connect and discuss that kind of stuff and, you know, either relate to it or be like, well, that's not my, ex- my experience at all. And then, you know, think a little bit more deeply about your own experience, perhaps. But um, I think media definitely gives us a space to sort of think about, especially media that has um, any sort of like internal dialogue where you're getting to see inside of the main character's thought processes or their feelings. Like that gives us a lot of insight that we don't get in um, normal conversations with other people, if that makes sense. I think that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And then I also have on my list that media helps people connect and understand each other through cross-cultural storytelling and Mm -hmm. intergenerational Mm -hmm. storytelling. So you have um, the ability to hear uh, stories and myths from um, ethnicities or cultures that you wouldn't have access to otherwise, or um, I mean, (laughs) maybe it's not the most educational, but I do know a lot of people have... (laughs) Um, knowledge about, you know, past world wars through like video games and movies about those times. Um, yeah. And so it, it, it helps connect. Um, I'm trying to think of a, a good example. But, you know, there, there are things that I'll watch, you know, I've watched with my grandparents that uh, was maybe more about life when they were growing up versus when I was growing up and being able to talk about those kinds of stories with each other and having a reference point to be all like, whoa, was it really like it showed on that TV show? And they're like, no. Uh, (laughs) Or God, yes, exactly. It's eerie. Were they filming me? I don't know. Um, But yeah, I think having access to those kinds of um, stories allows us to connect with each other more because that is how we connect is through storytelling. I really like that point of... Like sometimes it's accurate and sometimes it's not, but either way, it's a it conversation starter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you already have the reference point. And so talking about your experience, either how it's similar or, or completely different from that is still starting from there <laughs> is way easier. And again, in, in many uh, situations, more beneficial, I think, than starting from zero where you don't have a reference point or you don't really have even, how would you even get to that uh, understanding if you don't have a starting point? I think that's a great starting point. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I thought of an example. Um, When I was, I must've been in like 11th or 12th grade whenever Brokeback Mountain came out, (laughs) but I watched that with my grandmother, which was mildly uncomfortable because of the sex Mm -hmm. scene, but it was really interesting to watch a movie about the way that gay men were treated um, pretty much, you know, like before I was even born. So I have no 
uh, personal connection to those experiences. Um, and then reflecting over that with my, my grandmother who, um, in her youth, uh, worked as a hairstylist. Um, and so she had a lot of gay men coworkers though, you know, from San Francisco, not from rural farmland, but it was still interesting to hear her sort of respond to that, um, and her own experiences with gay men and, and having to be closeted and having beards and all of that kind of stuff, where it's like something that doesn't happen so much now in my lifetime, but it is important to my understanding of, uh, the past and how things are going currently and, um, what could happen in the future and, and, uh, having those kinds of stories to connect over, really helps expand my understanding of that stuff. I went to a concert recently with my mom. It was a Philharmonic Orchestra playing Broadway tunes. Hmm. And they played music from a, a very large range of, a big range of, of different shows. And it was so cool to not only talk to my mom and my stepdad about this, but also hear the people around us reacting to like, I was 10, I was 10 years old when that song came out. Or I was, I remember I saw this show when it was on Broadway though, in the first show, or I saw, I saw this when it was, when it came here traveling. And even that, like there, there's so many, there's so much context and so many different connections that we make to media and to the story. Isn't just what it is, right? There's so much more to it, right? So like in that example with your grandmother, She's talking like the story of her and her and her work and her coworkers like really has nothing to do with the movie. <laughs> yep. But it's still there was there was enough of a connection that it allowed for us to have a conversation that probably we would have never had otherwise. Yeah. And now Brokeback Mountain has another meaning for you because that mm -hmm. conversation sounds like it was important, important enough to, to bring it up again now. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely, yeah. you know, one of those things that it may have not even been a very long conversation, but just having that that moment of, yeah. of closeness with my grandmother and, and talking about what we were watching and or had just finished watching, and there's, there's something very special about that. Yeah. I've got one last list okay. thing. My, my final reason <laughs> for how media content helps people connect and understand each other is social learning theory. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, basically that um, humans learn from observing things and outcomes. And um, and so uh, we learn both from what we physically experience in our own lives, what we witness at home and at school and at work and everything. But we also learn from the media we consume. Um, even if we know it's fictional, there are aspects to it we absolutely save in, in the important real life information part of our brain. <laughs> um, so what's what's a good example? I guess uh, maybe not a great example, but but um, expectations of American specifically, uh, you know, how you romance someone and all of the sort of unspoken rules that you've picked up from the media you've consumed throughout your whole life. And a lot of it is heterosexual um, <laughs> focused. But but sort of, you know, recognizing that that the reason that we can connect and understand with each other is because we're we're sort of picking up the same lessons from the media that we're consuming, um, which is why that a lot of that is problematic. 
Yes, like, there there's like, definitely problematic <laughs> angles in all of this. This is yeah, we are looking yeah. at the positive sides, but there's always uh, a potential negative outcome for all of this stuff. People are too weird and complex and full <laughs> of fluids to be consistent about anything. One of the things that has come up a lot in my work is this idea of uh, heroic and villainous behavior. And there are a lot of heroes that are very influential, right? There are things that uh, just this one research that, that uh, I I started citing like eight years ago. It was like one of the first articles I ever posted on Geek Therapy. It was about how uh, you would put food in front of children. Uh, I think it was like candy and apples. I don't remember. And because like, w- which one do you want? And it's like, oh, uh, I want the candy. And they're like, oh, which one do you think Batman would eat? And they and the kids would say, oh, he'd he'd eat the apple. And so then they'd ask them again, like, oh, which one do you want? And they're like, I want the apple. <laughs> right? Yeah. Because we see these heroic representations and we we want to – we believe that that is a particular type of behavior. One thing that yeah. uh, has come up with, within geek therapy a lot is this idea that villains always have some sort of mental illness or that people with mental illness are villains. And that's something that a lot of people in the community have fought against, right? Mm-hmm. Like, no, no, no. Like, you can – a hero can have a, a mental illness or be struggling with a mental disorder. And just because you have one doesn't mean you're going to be evil. Right? It's, yep. Same thing with uh, physical disabilities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, well, you know, I was di- diagnosed with this and that's what in one comic book, like, the penguin had. So that means, um, does that mean I'm going to be a villain? Does that mean I'm going to be a serial yeah, killer? Yeah, or like, oh, no, uh, I lost my hand in my eye. Am I going to have to be Captain Hook now? And it's like, yes. no, not necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> but if you want to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I'm thinking I'm thinking about like the... Um, the cartoons I watched as a kid and then like the Disney live action shows and stuff like that, where especially, you know, kid programming is very focused on teaching emotional intelligence and communication skills. And, you know, like there's always the episode where it's like the two friends or best friends are fighting because they misunderstood each other. And, and the culmination of the episode is always like, you know, you have to really listen to what people are saying and not, you know, what you think they're saying and how like that is a legitimate life lesson that you use throughout your whole life that maybe you got first from media instead of from real life interactions. And it's it is still very valuable to you. And your brain absolutely saves that as like, this is important information must save. Again, uh, us, when we were really little, and our parents, they had PSAs on on all their shows. Mm-hmm. Right? Public service announcements, right? <laughs> Somebody came on at the end and I was like, don't do drugs. Or, so, yeah, you know. Sonic. <laughs> Winners yeah. don't do drugs. <laughs> <laughs> if you see an old lady crossing the street, help her out. And like, I don't know, like a million yeah, different I mean, things e- that we even saw. Even that, like when you think about like there is such a, like a trope of like the little old lady with a cane getting helped across the, the busy sidewalk by the you know young hero. And I'm like, I don't know that I've ever actually experienced that situation in real life i know that there are old people around i know that there are (laughs) disabled people around like there has to have been at some point where i was at a crosswalk with somebody like that but that's never really come up but in my head it's like oh if that situation happened i know exactly what to do because Mm -hmm. i watched those shows as a kid i would also uh, help get a cat out of a tree because that's what superman would do yeah every time Remember Captain Planet? There was a whole show. Hell yeah, just Captain a, Planet. Just a big old PSA. It didn't Power work. Power of love. Nope. Look the, where world is, now. the world is screwed. 
Oh. You need a new Captain Planet. Oh man. Well, thank you for that list. That was that was mm-hmm. uh, very helpful. Pre- pretty comprehensive, if I do say so yeah. myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think I think like the idea of uh, again the the core theory of, of geek therapy and what like this show was originally built on, and what I think that every show on the network is every show on the network isn't my brainchild, right? Like like Jedi Council is an independent show and I found you guys because we have similar ideas. But definitely that core idea is there, right? That there's something really important. In mm-hmm. in your case, like it's fish, it's fictional characters, right? And people we know people care about them. So let's have important conversations around that. Like we are not a show. We're, we don't. We're not a review show, right? We're not a commentary show necessarily, in the sense of like we're just reacting to new media and things that are coming out. This whole idea that we can not only use this for good, but like it is, it is part of what is happening. And if we can harness that idea, that we can we can use this to understand each other and ourselves through reflection, through conversation, through through thoughtful interactions, and hopefully connect with other people too in the community mm-hmm. who you know. It- they're listening, you know, to our stuff for a while. They're already sort of, you know, get the gist. But, you know, new listeners and, and all that stuff, having people engage with with this topic and, and hopefully it puts them in a position where they start, you know, thinking a little bit more critically about the media that they're engaging with. And not just the, the media that they watch, but it's like, okay, what media are my coworkers talking about at the water cooler? Or, you know, what are my high school teens talking about <laughs> on Fortnite after dinner or whatever it's like having having that idea of like this is valuable for me to pay attention to and and be considerate of and yeah. i think that that's that's something that we could all use a little bit more consideration and thoughtfulness in our media consumption yeah and again and that's pretty much the goal of all of our content Hell yeah. In one way or another to, to varying degrees, but definitely <laughs> even something like our newer shows that focus on uh, Disney or, or even our Assassin's Creed podcast now, right? That is a, a labor of love from, from Mark who loves that series. And I think that just the idea, just being able to, first of all, the people who are listening to that series are probably fans already, right? So you're looking at it from that, that lens where it's already super important to us who are listening to that show. But then the value that there is in appreciating something that much and to opening that space to allow people to experience or to talk about something in such detail that you might have dismissed, but other people take really seriously. So again, to varying degrees. And and getting, getting insights from people that maybe wouldn't have occurred to you either. Is there something very valuable in that? And, And also there's a, there's a, there's a positivity about that that we're always promoting, which mm-hmm. I've been thinking a lot about how eight years ago the word geek was different or even geek culture was different. Like when the top grossing movies in, in the <laughs> world of all time are Avatar and Avengers, like geek culture isn't a niche like side thing anymore, you know? <laughs> like nerd culture is nope. mainstream, absolutely. Yep. But yeah. the idea of like that that uh, idea of geeking out, right, as as a verb um, or as an identity, you know, um, that's why uh, I, I I keep trying to use the word affinity a lot because mm-hmm. it is it goes more than just like being a nerd, right? It's like it's it's this connection to this stuff and just seeing that and be and showing you that it 
it's positive, right? Uh, I think still has value. Absolutely. All right, so let's take a quick break and we'll be back and talk briefly about the eight years of GT. That's right, it's Geek Therapy's eighth anniversary. We've been making changes all month long, little things here and there. The website has received a few updates, a few shows have new artwork, including this one, and we're not done yet. To see our updated website, visit geektherapy.com. Please let us know if we broke anything, if there is something we missed, or if you have any requests. And be on the lookout for other changes and new launches coming soon. All right, we're back. And before we wrap up, I just wanted to address the fact that we just celebrated eight years of Geek Therapy. I mean, last week we we celebrated the 200th episode of this podcast, which is still mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we kind of, we had a lot of fun. We, we kind of did a look back. But yeah, I mean, I gave kind of the origin story of, of Geek Therapy earlier, where that theory came from, how it's grown into so many other things. So I just just want to mention, right, some of the things that have happened like Jedi Council coming, uh, joining forces, right, and, and being a part of, of the network and now having Brandon here, having Lauren Ooh. be a listener and then be such an active member of the community and a content creator on the community. You're doing at least two shows now, right? <laughs> it's like you're creating content. That is so great. And there's, I mean, at, at certain points we've had around 25 content creators on the network, somewhere around 15 different shows. I mean, that is that has changed. Some people have left the network. Um, we've got new people coming on. Uh, but like, as far as blogs and, and podcasts are concerned, that that has grown so much <laughs> over the course of eight years. Mm-hmm. And it is everything we talked about before, I think, is is evident in all of this content. Like, one of the shows I'm, I'm most excited about in the past year is a queer comics podcast. It is specifically about comic books that touch on queer issues or have queer characters in them, hosted by two queer people. <laughs> like, there is a lot to be gained uh, from, a lot to learn from from hearing them talk. And it is so interesting and again, very positive. And then like, just, I don't know, there's, there's something about the, the, the idea, this original concept that we had and taking it in a general way and then having that application, right? It's like, oh, you know, we can teach people about, about queer topics. We can showcase uh, queer creators and stories. It's just, it's just so exciting. And as we continue to, like, I keep telling people, let's make more projects, right? I'm, I'm not even thinking about it like as, as podcasts, like, Hero Nation, I love Hero Nation. It's about diversity in, in comic books and superheroes. And every episode has been about, like, there's one on black superheroes, one on Native American superheroes. And it's, it's like going to school, like the school that I always <laughs> wish existed. <laughs> it is so good. And that show doesn't come out every week. It's not, it doesn't have a consistent schedule. But that doesn't matter because... The, I think the content matters and that show will come out when the creators are ready to put on another episode. And I think it's, I think it's fantastic and I think it's great. And I always look forward to the next episode. So to me that like hero nation is a project, like an ongoing project. And I'm glad that people in the network are starting to move in those directions mm-hmm. where it's not just like, Oh, when you start a podcast, that means we need to record once a week, every week and re- release an hour long episode. And there's different formats and different things that we can do like the stream team, for example, right? Mm-hmm. Like like having Twitch as a platform where you can live stream 
2019 is weird, right? It's like <laughs> Bernie Sanders is talking about his Twitch channel now on the news. <laughs> <laughs> He's launching a Slack and a Twitch channel. It's so great. Um, I don't know what kind of games he's going to play. I don't think he's actually going to play any video games, but it would be cool if he did. Uh, actually, he should. He should. Side note, what kind of video games do you think Bernie Sanders plays? Fortnite. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Of course. If he wants to win the election, that's the one he has to play. <laughs> uh, you don't the, need to floss, Bernie. The primaries, just need to... <laughs> the primaries just going to be a battle royale. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Basically. <laughs> uh, what was I even talking about? The Twitch channel. <laughs> the Twitch channel um, is 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 just another way that we can promote the, the same ideas, have conversations about it. I really like it when Patrick uh, O'Connor streams. He's like, hey, I'm here playing some Apex Legends, and you know, I'm here to answer any psychology questions you have. <laughs> That's like his introduction. I love it that we can again create more more spaces for that. And and I think we have like a really good foundation. We have all these community spaces, like oh, oh, I've been doing all these minor tweaks to to like the branding and the logo. Like I've been fixing things that I've wanted to fix for years because eight years sounds it seems like an arbitrary uh thing to celebrate more than other years. But th- this has been like our most active two years, I think. And there's so many of us now and there's so much content. I think and the community is bigger than ever, bigger and better <laughs> than ever. So it felt it felt right to make a bigger deal of it. So again, I'm making little tweaks here and there to, to lots of things, including I even went out and, and cleaned up our Reddit. <laughs> so technically, I post every episode on Tumblr also. We're everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> we're, 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 we're everywhere uh, you are. Um, hopefully you can you can find what we're working on and i don't know the fact that we've been able to 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 do that to get that far and to have the discord be be as great as it is i don't know it just feels just feels great and it was definitely worth uh celebrating woo um, the the biggest change moving or like from from now forward is the gt academy which is mm-hmm. an actual learning resource so actual learning reason. I think all of our content is educational. <laughs> Let me put that out there first. But this is an actual online learning platform. So there are courses there. And when this episode is published, there may literally be no courses of uh, published per se, <laughs> but there are courses that you can pre-register for. And at least educational technology is huge for me. And I think that doing things um, like podcasts Again, to me, they're, they're always meant to be educational. And so doing an online course is a, is a different way to do that. But it's my way of answering the question that we've, that we've gotten for years, which is, okay, I, I get what you're talking about. I like the idea, but how can I apply that here? How can I do that here? And I think that over the course of 200 episodes of this show and 400 episodes of other shows, I think that information is there <laughs> and also across uh, various blog posts. But that's... That's not fair to anyone to to say, hey, just go listen to all our stuff and watch all our stuff. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's even hard for, for me to find it. So that's why I feel like now season five comes with a new, like a renewed focus. I think there are ideas that we're going to repeat over and over again and frame them in a particular way that is uh, helpful and at least, at least I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try. <laughs> I 
I feel that renewed focus and the GT Academy is a, is a big part of that tied to that. Like the first course that actually, that's actually going to be published on the GT Academy is how to use the geek therapy library, which uh, Lara is not here, but that is our baby based on Patrick O'Connor's uh, comicspedia. It's a, it's a resource where you can find different types of media, exactly what we've been talking about today. It's like, okay, I get what you guys are saying. I get the six reasons why I even buy into your theory, but how do I do that? Right? Like, like <laughs> give me an, ex- give me an example. And so the geek therapy library is nothing but examples. It is, Oh, here is, I don't know. I think, I think your Brokeback Mountain example is too specific and wouldn't work in the library. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably not. It's like, if you want to talk to your grandmother about her gay culture, <laughs> I do not recommend <laughs> watching Brokeback Mountain with your grandparents. It it ended up being fine for me, but I do not recommend it to others. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but the library, each entry has a, 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 a spot for anecdotes because I think that those are really important too. So even mm-hmm. as random as it may seem, I think that it, it shows the potential of that particular piece of media, right, to, to lead to a conversation that people probably didn't expect. And I think that that's really helpful too. So... I I may make a Brokeback Mountain uh, <laughs> <laughs> entry and put down that anecdote. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think it could. I think it could be helpful. So I don't know. Like just again, thinking back, looking back, um, all of the like we've presented at, at New York Comic Con, at at uh, San Diego Comic Con. I was invited to Columbia, the country. <laughs> to teach geek therapy to psychologists. And while they had us there, they were like, oh, we're also having a comic convention, like a comic award show. Can you come and like present on geek therapy to them? So again, like presenting the idea to two completely different groups of people in, in different ways, but it's still the same theory, right? It's still helpful and it's still beneficial. I, th- I think that's what's so so special about geek therapy is that it's, it is so broad of an idea that you can really apply it in in very specific really distinct ways i mean even if you're just comparing like utilizing tv shows and movies versus utilizing video and board games like there is so much depth available to you there it's like geek therapy is the shit man (laughs) (laughs) i like it yeah. And again, I think I think that even even the three of us have a very specific expertise where we can take those concepts and apply them very specifically. Mm-hmm. And and again, like this is what I've been doing forever. This is why I'm I'm super excited about the GT Academy because it is a way to like some of the courses that we're working on is is one is an introduction to to what I call the geek therapy model, which is that theory that I presented at the beginning and then presenting it in three different ways that you can use it. One is like allowing the client or the student or the person you're speaking to, to use their affinity for something to try to reach insights and connect with them. The other one is using your own, like, fine, maybe, maybe you guys didn't like family guy, but I can still use family guy to help you understand me by showing you a clip or explaining something to you. Right. Mm -hmm. In a way Mm -hmm. that, that it's just easier for me to do. And then there are those examples where we both know this. Like we can both talk about Batman or we can both talk about Legend of Zelda and be completely in sync and really understand each other. So uh, that one I'm really excited about. There's one on, on specifically how to use video games uh, in therapy, one on how to use comic books. Like There are very specific 
things that I've that I've developed and and learned from other people too, like talking to other people and and, and using examples of how how we do these things. And I don't know, there's a lot of potential to to make those specific teaching offerings to to help people out. I don't know. I'm I'm super excited. Absolutely. Yeah. Woo. Whew, man. Eight years. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Imagine eight years from now. Yeah. Man, I can't think that far ahead. No. Wow. wow. It's too scary. <laughs> I'm trying not to think more than like a month ahead at this point mm-hmm. in my life. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that does it for this episode of Key Therapy. Thank you for listening. For links to everything that we've talked about, including the Reddit, you can go to geektherapy.com, to social media profiles for Geek Therapy and our Twitter handles and all that in the show notes for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Remember to geek out and do good, and we'll catch you next week. This episode is brought to you in part by our Patreon supporters. We'd like to say a special thank you to our Patreon producers this month, Ben, Booney, John, Kat, Mark, Reese, Jamila, and Lydia. To learn more about how to support Geek Therapy and gain access to exclusive content, visit patreon.com slash geektherapy.